Lakers beat the Jazz last night 106-101, to but they lose Anthony Davis to an ankle injury for a two-week period minimum. The Lakers are now ninth in the West at 27-31. and This team has had injury struggles, chemistry struggles, and I think people think there's dysfunction in the locker room and on the court. I also think there's dysfunction in the front office. So going forward, if you're a Laker fan, put on your GM hat. What do you do with this roster going forward when you're entrusted to bring this team forward into the future? Do you continue to go all in on right now or do you make moves for the future? That's my question today about the Los Angeles Lakers. We're going to talk MVP candidates. I'm going to give you my six MVP candidates, my top six in no order except for number one right now, and that's Joel Embiid. After that, it's fluid. It's the NBA Cypher. Let's go. If you're Rob Palenka, what do you do? What are your options? You've got one of the greatest players in the game in LeBron James, still playing at a high level offensively at age 37 in his 19th season. LeBron's giving you 29 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, shooting 50% from the field, another 35% from 3, and his effective field goal rating, 58%. You've got Anthony Davis, one of the most talented big mans in all the NBA, can impact the game on both ends of the floor. Davis is 28. He'll be 29 next season, but he is injury prone. And as a number two option, his intensity, his motor kind of wavers. And then you have Russell Westbrook, who I guarantee you, anybody would guarantee you, is going to opt in to that $47 million. So Russ will be a Laker. This is an older roster. There are some young, talented players who have earned the right to get more minutes. I like what Malik Monk has done this season. His ability to beat people off the dribble, take and make big shots. I think Malik Monk can be a starter. Granted, he's point guard size with a two guards game, but the way the NBA is now, you can cover that up with cross matchups. I like what Austin Reeves can give you as a rotation player. But beyond that, this is an older roster, and I would have to think that most of these guys they won't be part of this roster next year. So whether you can move Russ or not, in terms of depth, in terms of getting more playmakers, the roster will change one way or another. It, it just depends on the level of talent Palinka and company are able to bring in. But here's the thing. The Lakers don't have any cap space. And with Russ opting in, they're maxed out. The question will be, and, and I've talked about this actually last season. At what point do the Lakers an, as an organization realize in the LeBron James era, we might just get the one title, but you'll take that one title. Yes, you sacrifice some young talent, some picks. It was about winning titles. It always is when it's the Lakers. But right now, because Anthony Davis is still in his prime and still has high value, 
would it not be wise for Rob Palenka and company to at least think about the possibility of moving Anthony Davis to bring back some younger talent, to bring back more depth, or maybe even go all in the other way? You know, because when you have LeBron, you sacrifice your future. It's just what it is. But maybe this time around, this franchise might do the unthinkable. Not just move Anthony Davis, but go all in. Consider maybe moving LeBron James. And I know Laker Nation will go, why would you do that? That's crazy. Every run comes to the end. And then the truth of the matter is this Laker team, I wouldn't say they've had a run. They've had one title. They've had a title run. But in terms of them being a dynasty or anything like that, it hasn't come to fruition. It, it, it just hasn't happened. They had that one season. They won the title in the bubble against the Heat, and they deserve all the credit for doing that. But since then, or even before that and after that, it's been a struggle. There's been injuries. There's been struggles with the rotation. And I, I think going forward, the Lakers really, they don't want to use the word, they never use the word rebuild. I think the closest the Lakers came to ever actually rebuilding was when they had Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. And for a short, short time, Julius Randle, don't forget, a, a talented, solid player like Josh Hart. They had a lot of talented young players. But once you bring in LeBron, LeBron's not trying to wait for you to develop. So what happens? They get Anthony Davis. They trade away all those young players and picks. And guess what? They win the title. That has been the Laker way ever since I've been a Laker fan. They don't get better by drafting and developing players. They usually improve off of making blockbuster trades. And they almost never get better by getting the top free agents. And since I've been a Laker fan, the top free agents that the Lakers have gotten, they've been Shaq and LeBron. But in between those two, they did not get any of the top free agents. If they improved, it was through trades. I'm saying that to say the most obvious thing. They're in another situation. You can try to reload around Anthony Davis and LeBron James, who will be age 38, year 20. And I'm sure, look, offensively, he's probably still going to be a top five, top six player. I, I, I'm not debating that. In terms of longevity, in terms of playing at a high level this deep into his career, he doesn't have an equal, point blank. But we're talking about winning titles or competing for titles. Can the Lakers retool around LeBron and Anthony Davis, along with Russ, because Russ isn't going anywhere. And Russ has a role. We've talked about this. What did he do against Golden State? What he did last night with the Jazz? That is the role I think Russell Westbrook can give the Lakers going forward. That's what he can be within their scheme. He can be in that dunker's position. He can dive off the ball. I would actually argue that while he has improved moving off the ball, he can improve even better. Every time Russ gives up the rock and LeBron has the ball on the right wing, he should instantly cut. 
Always. I don't care if you cut and he doesn't pass it to you. Just cut to make the defense move and then cut again. If Russ learns to keep himself moving, a la Golden State, where bodies are constantly moving along with the ball, if he just moves off the ball, he's still athletic enough to be able to finish around the basket. That's his role. But I digress. This is about their future. And, and I really think that they're going to have to do something they that maybe they wanted to put off for another two or three years. They're really going to have to consider, at a minimum, moving Anthony Davis. And maybe, depending on the team you make this deal with, this potential deal, if you really want to get off of Russ's contract, you maybe you get a third team involved and you can move Russ with Anthony Davis. I, I just think that this run with these two superstars, and granted, healthy, most people would say Anthony and, and, and LeBron, Anthony Davis and LeBron, we're still talking two of the top 10 players easy. LeBron's still top five or six to me offensively. I, I still have him in the top five in general. I think AD is top 10. He kind of wavers between, let's say, 10 and as high as five or three. But this particular season, he's been very good at times, and he struggled at times. I just think that if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, with what has happened the last, the last couple of seasons, it might be time to do something dynamic. And I know bringing in Russ, that was dynamic, and it looked great on paper to a lot of people, and a lot of people didn't like it at all. I always took the approach, wait and see. I had no idea how it would turn out. It hasn't turned out great. But I want to remind everybody, the Lakers are a bad team, not because Russell Westbrook. They're a bad team across the board as a team. They don't defend well. They're terrible in transition defense. They're streaky when it comes to shooting from the three-point line. There are chemistry issues across the board, and they do not have an offensive identity. You don't know what the Lakers are going to do from game to game. Now, that could be put on Frank Vogel to a degree. The, the makeup of the roster, yes, that's Rob Palenka. But I think that if Rob Palenka did not make a move during the trade deadline, Clearly, he had the blessing of the higher-ups. He put out a statement after the trade deadline, me, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, we're on the same page. We're all in line. Because most people thought they were going to trade one of those future number one picks to try to bring in some, some talent that can help them right now. That's always been the formula. With LeBron more than most superstars, hey, we're about right now. And that didn't happen. So when he made that statement, I thought it was interesting that LeBron made a statement saying, basically, that's not true. We're not all on the same page. So there is dysfunction with your superstar in your front office, and that's not good. And your superstar will be 38 next year. And your other star, who's 28, will be 29. But I would argue that the way that he seems to break down from time to time. Anthony Davis physically might feel or seem older than LeBron James. 
And while he has played well for the Lakers, I'm talking about Melo. Melo will be 38. And I'm not saying that they couldn't still bring him off the bench and spot moments, maybe lessen his, his minutes. He's playing about 27 minutes a game, maybe bring that down to 20. I don't know if he would be interested in his role being cut that much. But I think with the emergence of Monk, with the emergence of Reeves, along with a solid player like Stanley Johnson, yes, Melo's minutes would be cut. This Laker team, they have question marks going forward for the rest of this season, but I think they even have more question marks in the offseason. So this is my question again. If you were the Lakers GM, would you consider trading one or both? And I'm talking Anthony Davis or LeBron James. So here it is, guys. These are my top six candidates for NBA MVP. I've got John Morant. John Morant's got the Grizz in the third spot in the West. He's averaging 27 points a game, seven to six, six rebounds shooting 49% from the field, 33% from three. And I think that every time you watch Ja, he adds something else to his game. He's a lot more than a slasher or, or a guy that shatters the rim. I like his float game. I like the way he plays with pace. And I like the way that he's extended his range. I think John Morant is going to be a problem going forward. And the fact that he's extending his range this early in his career, that just shows you he stays in the lab. Then you've got DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan comes in at age 32, and he's having his best season of his career. 28 points a game, five rebounds, five assists, 51% from the field, 34 from three, and 86 from the line. I know a lot of people say that he's kind of a relic because he doesn't shoot the three a lot. I would disagree with that. He's a bucket getter, and his superpower is his ability to get to the foul line. He is one of those scorers that even when he's not having a good shooting night, he can generate offense because he can get to the foul line 10 to 12 times a game. Much love to DeMar DeRozan. Then there's Nikola Jokic, the defending reigning MVP. And the Joker's season this year is as good as last year. 26 points a game, 14 rebounds, 8 assists, 57% from the field, 37 from three, 80 from the line. Crazy PER, 32.6, and he's carrying the Nuggets. He has them in the fifth spot, minus his second and third best players. So, yes, the Joker's going to be a problem going forward in the MVP race. Then you've got the Greek Freak. You've got Giannis, reigning finals MVP, 29 points a game, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 54% from the field. Now, obviously, he only shoots 30% from three. How scary is it if he ever even got to 35% from three on a consistent basis? It'd be over. Even with that shortcoming, he is still one of the most dominant players, if not the most dominant player in the NBA right now, because he can still impact the game on both ends of the floor. And while there are guys that are more skilled, I would question anybody who is more willed. The Greek freak is probably going to be Joel Embiid's biggest competition for MVP. But I think the guy that people are sleeping on that no one's talking about is the guy who's on the team with the best record in the NBA, and that is Chris Paul. CP3 is dropping 15 points a game, almost 11 assists, 
leading the team with the best record in the league, 48 and 10. And here's the thing. For the longest, the NBA did this thing where best player on the best team got the MVP. And no one is talking about the Suns. And no one's talking about D-Book or CP3, who I think should get more MVP love. Anyway, DeRozan, CP3, John Moran, Nikola Jokic, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. Those are my six candidates for MVP. Let's enjoy the race. This year's rookie class overall is a solid rookie class, but the two guys that stand out for me are Evan Mobley of the Cavs and Scotty Barnes of the Raptors. Both are already tremendous defenders. Barnes is averaging 14 points a game, seven rebounds, three assists, 47% from the field versus Mobley, who's giving you 15 points a game, eight rebounds, just under three assists, 50% from the field. What I like about both of them is they can impact the game on both ends of the floor. And going forward, as both Mobley and Barnes polish their offensive games, I think these are two future all-stars as well as all NBA defenders. Let's give a shout out to Josh Giddy, who just had three triple doubles in a row. In his rookie season, at his age, the first to do that in NBA history, Cade Cunningham has come on lately for the Pistons, 15 points a game, five rebounds, five assists. Not to mention a guy that a lot of people don't talk about, but I like to watch, Jonathan Kaminga of the Warriors. This guy is a next-level athlete, high basketball IQ, who just seems to get better and better the more he's on the floor. Again, overall, very good rookie class, but these guys right now are the guys that I'm looking at to see which one becomes a superstar. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week. We're going to get into some pre-agency talk going into next year, along with which restricted free agents might be on the move in the offseason. It's the NBA Cypher next time.